Hello. Well, welcome to what is going to be week four of the What Makes a Hero uh, Bible study that I've been doing. This this Bible study became like my Lenten project for myself. I wanted to begin a new weekly Bible study for the worship center in which I serve in Oceanside, California. And now, as many of you saw last week, this is our second time doing it this way, as we kind of live in this new world where we are uh, at home, we're celebrating our worship spaces at home. So we're going to continue our What Makes a Hero Bible Study uh, today. This is week four, if you've been reading along with us, if if you're new. I, I see a dear friend of mine that's viewing right now that um, I don't think has read this book written by uh, Mr. Matt Rowley. And uh, so I'm going to go through the first four weeks for everyone that's joining in for the first time. Uh, great comic book writer and historian uh, Stan Lee once said, every comic book is a kid's first comic book. So you want to try to uh, help everybody understand what's going on as you also pick up and continue the story. So this is week four of What Makes a Hero, and our first week uh, of this Bible study focused on it's good, the bad, and God. And that week, the centralized character that was pulled from Matt Rowley's book was Batman, uh, the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman, and what it means to have moments that are good, moments that are bad, and then moments that can only be explained by the holy presence of God. And within that conversation, there was a lot of going back and forth over what it means to be good, what it means to be bad. It was broken down through Galatians chapter 5, uh, looking at verses 19 through 23, and the rallies breaking down, the breaking down that I did with our worship center that night, broke down everything that becomes self-serving, self-focused, separatist, is something that could be collected in the bad, something that is uh, the building of communities, something that reaches out to others, something that creates an inwardness, is something that could be considered good. And then we get to this moment that things that are considered to be of the holy nature of God, and that was kind of explained through, there's things that we have gone into bad situations, but they've ended up good. There's times that we have gone into good situations and they've ended up bad. So that we have these moments that are only explained through God, and that was explained the first week through the character of the Batman. The second week became how do we take what we define as good and bad and then apply it to our decisions. And Matt Rowley's book, the second week he begins to use uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, as the image of decision-making. He, he uses the, the classic phrase from Uncle Ben that says, from great power comes great responsibility. And Matt Rowley breaks it down again in the three sections. There's, there's good decisions, there's bad decisions, and then there's whole holy decisions. And we kind of work through this and we kind of piece together what it means to to step out in the places that are good, to step out in the places that are bad as we're trying to strive for what's holy. 
the 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 real life hero for that week was Nelson Mandela. And if you look at the reality of Nelson Mandela, what Nelson Mandela's existence was considered bad by the those in control, those in the structure, but it was for the greater good all of his actions. So week one, good, bad, and God. Second week, good decisions, bad decisions, holy decisions. Last week, we began to look at what it means to build community and the necessity of building the greater structure. And the, the, the hero for that week was Wonder Woman. And if you begin to look at the, uh, the existence of Wonder Woman in the DC universe, there's a lot of doors that start to open within that character. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about the new doors, the gender equality, racial equality, you know, everything that, that again, week one, good, bad, God, that everything that creates separatism and trying to bring all those places that we can really look at this holy place. This week's going to be different, and there's a lot of really exciting people that I see on Facebook right now that I'm excited to hear your responses to this. This week is week four of the the structure, and in in Matt Rowley's book, he breaks this week down into what it means to be the haves, what it means to be the have-nots, and what it means to create the kingdom of God. Now, Matt Rowley uses the images of Tony Stark within this, and I want to go into the reality of Tony Stark. For, for you all who don't know who Tony Stark is, Tony Stark is, is a billionaire weapons trader. He, he, he created his wealth through selling arms. He, he creates war. He's a person that be, builds battles. He b- builds instruments of destruction. And his billion-dollar existence exists through the creation of war. So looking at this, this week there is a way that Matt Rowley broke it out into the haves and the have-nots and the kingdom of God. I really want to have the conversation right now of what it means to be a person that comes out of a broken place, discovers wholeness, and then takes that wholeness to create a kingdom that opens possibilities for other people. Tony Stark is the the necessity linchpin of what became the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A person with the last name of Stark played a key point in every progression of the Marvel movie line. It was uh, Tony Stark's uh, father who was the one who was a part of the Captain America project, Howard Stark. He was one of the scientists that made the super soldier serum. Tony Stark was the person that worked with Peggy, uh, 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 Carter, Agent Peggy Carter to create what became S.H.I.E.L.D. So there is a Stark that's in the existence of the beginning of the universe. Then we get to the cinematic universe. The first character that held an essential role in these movies was Tony Stark. And they deal with Tony Stark's reality of finding out 
that he needs to do something different based off of what he created. You know, again, using the idea of the haves, the have-nots, the good decisions, the bad decisions, the, the billionaire legacy of the Stark fortune is built on arms trading and creating instruments of destruction. But if you watch the progress of Tony Stark through all these movies, he becomes the one who becomes socially aware. He becomes aware of the negative effects of his actions, and then he becomes the one who becomes the loudest vocal advocate of, of doing something to fix all that. There's other parts of a broken hero that exists within the reality of Tony Stark. Tony Stark was the first uh, comic book character to, to have an addiction. Tony Stark was an alcoholic, an enraged alcoholic. And they show the, the fight that Tony Stark had to have to, to be who he was while he was also dealing with this addiction. I've already shared with you in this conversation the brokenness that he discovers when he is trying to work through this reality that it's his family's fortune that's created destruction. And there's so much about the, the creation of what we know as the Iron Man that becomes this idea, how do we go to the places of our brokenness, really be honest about them, work through them, pray through them, reconstruct ourselves through them so that we can go out and make a community of God for the greater world? Let's talk about that. The real-life hero in chapter 4 of this week is... Um, it was Anne Frank. Well, let's look at the reality of Anne Frank because if you look at Tony Stark as the have, Matt Rowley, again, his, this chapter is the haves, the have-nots, and the kingdom of God. He uses a have as an example, a broken have in Tony Stark. And he has to use this imagery of Tony Stark to try to piece together a reality of what it means is to be willing to reconstruct our lives based on where we learn our brokenness is. Then he uses a real life image of Anne Frank. And let's talk about Anne Frank. Anne Frank's life is in a place of brokenness. She is the one that is in the segregated section of the forced have-nots. And Frank is the one who is hiding from her, for her safety from the Nazi uh, troops. She's the one that's having to live in this uh, confined secret attic for the rest of her life, what became the rest of her life, unfortunately. And everything that she does is very heroic in the place that she is because we see a person in an extreme place of brokenness still try to create an an identity of what it means to be uh, a young girl and and to grow through young things you know there's there's so many times in our lives that we kind of deal with this issue of does our brokenness stop us does our brokenness become an anchor or does our brokenness become a learning tool and if you look at the reality of the life of Anne Frank, that's that's where Anne Frank is. You know, there is this reality within Anne Frank that there is there's an anchor there. Like she can't ignore what's happening around her. 
She can't just set aside the reality to develop this uh, a, a utopia based on the reality that she wants to have. There is a forced reality that she's living in. But she's still living in it. And she's still living in it in such a way that she is piecing together her growth, her life. I I would have loved for Anne Frank to have been saved from her situation. Because I would have loved to see the second part of the story. I would have loved to see what would have happened in this place where that she lived in exile and lived in a in a broken state that I would have liked to have seen the adult and what that adult would have done in a new situation. But unfortunately, because of the reality of true historical events, we, we don't get to see that adult story happen. But it's still a challenge that we live for in our lives. We, we see this image in Tony Stark of a broken have. We see this image of Anne Frank as the broken have not. And we see two characters struggling within themselves to get to a place of wholeness so that they can, one, either ratify the mistakes of their past or, two, create a new future so that they can be a part of something that's whole and real. So let's let's talk about what that means because Rally takes it one step further. Rally pulls in the story of Caroline and I had to talk to my oldest daughter before I sat down to do this Bible study today about Caroline. It's a a story that that I am unaware of. And Caroline is the story of this girl that that is uh, um, through my understanding with my daughter of this girl who uh, who feels separated from her family and she finds this the utopious world that she can escape to and she has this opportunity to be a part of that world if that she admits that world's flaws and there comes this point that you notice that everyone else in this world they don't have eyes they they have these buttons over their eyes that that shades them from the brokenness of this utopia that they had been looking for. And Caroline has to get to this place that she either has to decide to uh, put the buttons on herself or to fight with what's really there so that she can have what she really needs to have. And I and I, I I like that Matt Rowley pulls out that point of of removing the eyes and not seeing what's really there. When we deal with the the haves, the have-nots, and the kingdom of God, there comes a time that we have to use our eyes and see what's really there. You know, it's really easy for us to get to places of our utopian um, rest and just be happy where we're at. I, it's easy to find a faith life that's good for me. It's easy to find a, a faith life that puts me on a path and makes me okay and takes care of me at the end. But the reality is to, to live in that happy faith life means that I also have to ignore what's going on all around me in the rest of the world. That goes back all the way back to the second week when we look at these ideas of what it means to make good, bad, and holy decisions. You know, going back to Galatians chapter 5 and looking at verses 19 through 20 and saying these things create separatism. 
If I live in this Carolinesque world that I put buttons over my eyes, I am creating division. If I'm sitting in a place where I am uh, living in a faith that's good for me and it's helping me out, I've put buttons over my eyes and I'm not seeing what's really there. Does that mean I can never enjoy my faith? Uh, Absolutely not. I think there's so much that we can truly enjoy when we see what's really there. I think that there's so much that we truly can enjoy when we look at the things that create wholeness and the second half of Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I always forget one of the words when I recite it. Um, Gentleness, patience. Um, Those things create unity. And when I find a way to create unity, then I'm seeing the wholeness of, of reality. I, I want us to think about that, especially in this fourth section of this book, as Matt Rowley is beginning to differentiate the haves, the have-nots, and the kingdom of God. Sometimes the haves are in a more broken place than the have-nots. Sometimes the have-nots are in a broken place, but they have more ability to find wholeness and to find redemption from that place than the halves. And the beautiful part of this is when we get to this idea of what it means to be in the kingdom of God, because the idea of what it means to be in the kingdom of God is this place where we have, we have not, it goes back and forth, but we're working together to help each other out. When I when I started piecing that together through this chapter, I thought about this image of heaven that was explained to me once upon a time. Heaven and hell are a place that look a lot alike. And I'm not trying to be theological. I'm, I'm sharing with you the story that was shared with me. Heaven and hell is a place that looks awful lot alike. Hell is a place where you go and you live in this world and your arms are are locked in straight. You can never bend your arms. And there is this big, beautiful buffet that's sitting there. And you're doing everything possible to figure out how to get that stuff that's there for you. There's turkey and chicken and biscuits and gravy and everything that makes a southern fat boy happy is sitting there on the table. But you have these straight arms and there's no way that you can eat or enjoy what's there. That was the the picture of hell that was presented to me. Then they presented the image of heaven. And it's all explained the same way. You go to heaven... You get there, your arms are locked out straight. You see this big, beautiful banquet with everything that you could ever dream of and everything you would want to eat. But instead of seeing a collection of people struggling to figure out how to feed themselves, you see a collection of people feeding each other. The difference between the haves and the have-nots. The difference between creating things that produce inwardness that are just good for me and being willing to do things that help other people and care for other people as well. Rowley, just, he just lays that out perfectly in this section. And I love, I love that he used the imagery of Tony Stark for this. He didn't, he didn't break into Tony Stark's brokenness. And I feel that that's just as much as crucial 
for Tony Stark as it is that he had to justify his wrong deeds as an arms dealer. I think it I think it even points more that that this billionaire is trying to figure out how to care for other people. The brokenness of of his existence of being the one that created the weapons of mass destruction, the brokenness of what it means to be an individual that is struggling and fighting and persevering through an addiction, and he still becomes the common point in this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe all the way to the point that it is, spoilers if you haven't seen Endgames, you've had enough time to watch it, but Tony Stark's the one that saves humanity. That's the reality. Let's look at that on another level because I want to share with you how a billionaire arms dealer alcoholic becomes the image of Jesus Christ. Let's think about the reality of how a Stark pulls all the way through this storyline in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A person who had the ability to completely separate themselves from everything and enjoy all of their perks and all of their benefits. I'll share with you, being the Son of God, being God Himself, there was a reality that God could have just been God and just watched everything happen. But God chose to interact with humanity and God chose to put on flesh to become Jesus Christ and God chose to walk through our hurts and our weaknesses and to battle what we battle in living all the way up to Philippians where it says that he humbled himself to the image of man even to the point of death, to death on the cross. We have this person that had everything and came down to be with us that have nothing to make it possible that we could be a part of a kingdom working together to have everything. I want you to think about that reality. Again, Matt Rowley's view of the have who stepped out to be the hero, Tony Stark. Our reality in Jesus Christ, the one who had, who stepped out of his kingdom to be with us, to live with us, to walk with us, all the way to the point that they both make this decision. And it's their decision as the haves that gives so much freedom to the had-nots. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what I I want you all to take from uh, this week four of uh, Matt Rowley's book, um, What Makes a Hero. Uh, What I want you to take from this is uh, just the reality. You know, um, know, with great power comes great responsibility. There's so much that we've been given and so much that we can use to care for the greater world. And there's times that we need to allow ourselves to be helped. And to allow ourselves to be the ones who receive the help, receive the guidance, receive the comfort. And we need to be the ones who also find a way to work together to create a greater kingdom in the name of God's love that will transform the world in ways that we could never imagine. Thank you for watching on Facebook. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on the podcast. That was uh, week four of North Coast United Methodist Church's uh, uh, Lenten Bible study of Matt Rowley's book, What Makes a Hero. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. Thank you for your time, and may the